Good evening, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to the new upmarket version of the Hawks Insiders Thursday night Twitter spaces for 2023. People have been asking what uh, did do with that subscriber money. And uh, I said we've uh, hired Billy Joel to play an introductory tune to you every week. So we look forward to having Billy Joel joining us every week on the Twitter spaces to play a few tunes to count everybody in. Uh, good to be back for another season. As I said, we're going to be every Thursday night, or at least Thursday night till round one, then Wednesdays and Thursdays, depending on when there's footy on a Thursday night, to dissect all things brown and gold. Uh, so, as I said, my name's Ashley Brown. Good to be back with you, feeling refreshed. I think we've got nearly a full crew here tonight as well, which is great, and lots of great numbers. We look forward to talking to you all over the next hour or so. So I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, Andrew Weiss. I think I've done it. Uh, I've been practicing all summer, uh, my baby grand, and uh, just confirm that I've managed to get rid of the music. And uh, highlight of your summer? Uh, highlight of my summer. Ah, oh, well. The question, uh, question without notice. It was very much so without notice. No, it was just good to... Um, to get away and break things up and uh, very much, very, very happy once the tennis finished to be back in the swing because it's footy season. So very excited. Darren Levine, hello. Hi, Ash. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, now I know what it feels like to be at a Billy Joel concert and I did not enjoy that at all. Are you, uh, you in Sydney as we speak or are you back? I'm, I'm not... I've, I've arrived back home and I had a very, very Hawks-focused uh, um, highlight of the summer with bumping into or walking past Dylan Moore and um, Will Day on the Gold Coast. So I think it was their last day there, just a little brief third or fourth holiday before coming back to training for them. Good to have you back again, Darren. Brad Klobansky, hello. Good evening, everyone. Great to be back. Great summer, long summer of school holidays. I'm not sure how those others, uh, Daz, Prinzi, with young kids at school felt, but I felt like these holidays went for about six months, not six weeks. Good to have the kids back at school and good to... Got the kids off at school the other day. Yeah, uh, yesterday, absolutely. All three in school now, which is lovely. So, yes, all good. Looking forward to the season. It's just around the corner you now. You can take a second or a third job to pay the school fees. Hello, Danny Prince. <laughs> Ash, good to good to chat to you again, mate, and good to be back for another year. Good to have you here. Holiday of your summer? Oh, clearly had to be the uh, Hawks Insiders end of year catch up, surely. Yes, we, we had a g- good night down at uh, what's it called? The Moravan Moors or something. Morris Moors or more what's it called, Daz? Stomping, Stomping Ground Brewery at um yes, we, Yeah, in Moravan. We had a great time there celebrating what was a good year. But we're now into twenty twenty three. Uh, three or four things to get through tonight. Uh, the Hawks have been in the news. Uh, but plenty of things to dissect over the next few weeks in the lead up to uh, the start of the season. The Hawks are on a training camp at Morwell. And is it a football camp, Weesey, or is it a punching on camp? That is my first question to you, based on the, uh, the vision we saw on Channel 7 and Channel 9 this evening. Oh, it just depends who you ask, doesn't it? Uh, the haters going to say... Uh, classic James Sicily, uh, should he be leading the club? It got way too heated. Uh, and then 
the lovers are going to say, oh, that's what we want to see, a bit of passion, a bit of competitive nature. And uh, at the end of the day, I think that it was just good to be able to watch uh, some footage in prime time. I think everyone's excited and, yeah, just shows that they're a keen, young, eager group. I thought it was awesome. Yes, they're down at Mall for a training camp. Well, most teams are away this week or last week or next week. Um, the Hawks announced today that, uh, well, what we know, what they're doing in the next few weeks is they are playing an intra-club game at La Trobe Uni on the 15th of February. Don't know the time. Um, I'm sure the club will advertise it or we'll put out in the uh, Twitter's when we know. That is a Wednesday. Then the following th- uh, Wednesday or Thursday, I think the following week, they're down in Geelong playing a scratch match against... Uh, the 2022 premiers, which will be a very good uh, test of where the Hawks are at. So it's a Thursday as well. It's a Thursday. Yep. And then the following Thursday, they are at um, Tassie to play Collingwood. Uh, what should be a pretty Collingwood don't get down there all that often. So it'll be uh, another good test tune up for the Hawks. They're playing two very good teams, which I think is the, exactly what I think uh, Sam Mitchell and his coaching staff would like. The beauty, of course, for us is that uh, with those two games on a Thursday, we you will ju- you can jump on. The games will finish, and not long after that, jump on the spaces to di- totally uh, digest everything we saw on those games of footy. Certainly, the Collingwood game will be on Fox Sports, KO, and there will be some sort of live stream of the Geelong game. I'm sure whether it's on KO like the games were last year or on the uh, AFL app or the Hawthorne App, not sure yet, but they certainly do have plans to stream that game. So you'll be able to watch them, jump on with us, and have a complete chat about things. I plan to be at the Intra Club on the 15th. Not sure whether any of you lads are going to join me, but uh, if anyone else out there is going to be uh, at the Intra Club game, please come and make yourselves known and uh, we can talk about what we're seeing out there. Um, so, as I said, three things I want to get through tonight one, non football, non to on field, two, on field. That will take us through to 9.30. As always, if you have a question or a comment, please let us know and we would like to get to it. And as always, make this a wide-ranging discussion as possible and we thank you in anticipation of those who already have re-upped. Thank you for your support of Hawk Insiders. Uh, as always, $5 a month, $50 for the season, for the year. We've got some really great plans, some high-profile guests, again, coming on podcasts or spaces over the next few weeks in the lead up to the season. We've got a special series planned as well before the season that I think you'll all really enjoy. So stick with us and we will give you your complete fill of all things brown and gold in the lead up to round one, the Essendon. And that's where we will start with the news, Bradley, that uh, Hawthorne will be without Mitch Lewis for that game. Everybody's been madly Googling sprained ACL, strained ACL versus ruptured ACL. There was footage of um, Mitch Lewis at a gym sinking three-point shots, um, which got everyone very excited. But uh, without wanting to big note myself too much, I did bounce that idea off Andrew Gaze this afternoon at work. And he said, you can shoot three throws with a ruptured ACL without too much of a problem. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves that he uh, that he's out of the woods just yet. But the question I want to discuss with you all for the next few minutes, and, and again, if anyone else has got some thoughts, please let us know. How will the Hawks structure up their forward line for the first probably four, conservatively, two to four weeks of the season, but it might be as long as the first eight weeks of the season, without their number one forward, Mitch Lewis? 
I'll go first, Ash. I know we've spoken about yes. this uh, when it happened. We actually had this chat when we had our uh, end of year uh, catch up. Who was the one player we could ill afford to lose next season? And we all said Mitch Lewis. And a few weeks later, he injures his knee at training. Look, it's not ideal, but as we all know, we are in a rebuilding phase. Uh, is it going to hurt us? Absolutely. Like, Mitch Lewis plays. If he's fully fit, I actually thought he'd probably end the season as top three goal kicker in the league. Did have the chance of winning the Coleman medal had Hawthorne performed at a better level than we were all expected. But he's a massive loss. Obviously, Gunston leaving as well and us not really... Uh, replacing him. Fergus Green obviously comes in. He's going to play early on in the season. Uh, there's an argument. Do we play the three rucks? Does Max, Max Lynch start as the full forward and we play Reeves and Meek? I say no. I believe we'll structure a bit smaller. We've still got talented forwards that can kick goals in. Wingard, who looks fully fit, hopefully. Dylan Moore will play there. Uh, Tyler Brockman's obviously been training. I think only one of him and Sam Butler will play. You can't play both of them. Uh, I think Fergus Green will definitely play round one. Connor McDonald will probably play a bit of that high half forward role as well. So my read on the forward structure for round one is probably going to be a half forward line of uh, Dylan Moore, Fergus Green, uh, Cozzy at centre half forward. I think one of Meek or Reeves will start at full forward. And then you'll have Wingard and Bruce with a uh, rotation of um, either Sam Butler, Tyler Brockman, and Connor McDonald. That's my opinion. Aiden, good evening. You got a question for us? Hey, guys. Welcome back. Um, Thank you. Sort of a joke sort of uh, question. Uh, ben Ronk's been enlisted last year from the Sydney Swans. Do you think he'll be available for us? Uh, Don't say no. There was news today, Ash. I know we spoke about that today. I sent uh, the link in his second game when Buddy didn't play and he somehow kicked seven against us on that Friday night. Um, I think he's been picked up. He's he's going to the VFL, isn't he, Ash? Yeah, he's going to play for Carlton, so he's going to torment Box Hill this year and probably kick seven goals uh, against Box Hill when they refuse to put an opponent on him. So, uh, yeah, I think Ben Rock, uh, I, I think... He was a, uh, I, th- I think he was a bit of a one-year wonder, Ben Ronk. I can't imagine Hawthorne. I think Hawthorne have got, they don't need, I'm not sure they need a, a small small forward. I think they've got a bit of depth in that position. I mean, the forgotten player at Hawthorne is, uh, is Tyler Brockman, I think, that uh, we have all tend to forgotten about. That uh, you know, he was able to goal a game in 2021, just, just had a bad run of form last year. And I think uh, he would have some claims to be in the team. Come round one, uh, Danny. What are you? Uh, how are you envisaging the four six looking? Come round one. Yeah, I think it. I think it's going to be interesting. I think Brad's got the names. All the names are there. Um, I think what where we go and what I'd like to see are probably slightly two different things. I think um, arresting Ruck, <clears throat> Cozzy, and probably go small would be my my uh, preferred option. Um, I'm I'm keen to see Fergus Green get an opportunity as well, but um, I think if you you know surround two big boys, Cozzy as the number one forward, um, whoever it is out of Meek and Reeves and, and Lynch that doesn't make the set, the centre bounce, um, and then just put Wingard, Bruce, Brockman, and Butler uh, all around them, and just just have a small zippy. Um, high pressure, high intensity forward line and just get the big boys to bring it to ground and let the 
the small forwards wreak havoc. That's that's what I'd be doing. Certainly, if they bring speed on, if if, if they move more quickly out of the back line, which I think they're well equipped to do now, you know, they've got a chance to create you know a bit of chaos, get the ball in there quickly, cause some confusion amongst the opposition back line, and and try and work out their goals that way. A few chaos balls and that sort of thing. I think that might be the uh, the way to go early to try and create some scoreboard pressure. We see what does Justin uh, Jacob Kaczynski, sorry, need to do. Uh, he was a bit disappointing last year, but he was great in 2021. Where do you think he fell away last year? And what will what be the early indicators that he's back in town, back in form this year? What are you looking to see over the practice matches? Well, I think first and foremost, especially with Mitch Lewis down and with uh, Lloyd Meek being in the team now, what we want to see is Jacob Kaczynski never have to ruck again. So, you know, I, I guess to start with, that he gets the opportunity to play as a stay-at-home forward, which is, you know, 12 to 24 months back what he started looking, you know, looking really good doing. So first and foremost, give him the opportunity. Um, I totally agree with the sentiments there around the fast, quick, zippy forward line. So as long as he's contesting as long as he's strong in the contest he doesn't necessarily need to take six seven eight marks a game but at at least if he's contesting bringing the ball to ground and there are those fast quicker um smaller crumbing forwards around him that's gonna be his role I, i i don't necessarily see him replacing a Mitch Lewis or being someone who's going to kick 50 goals plus a season. Um, But if he can literally just win his position by bringing the ball to ground and not letting it get out of our forward line quickly, then I think that that's going to be a big win and, and probably something that they're setting up for. I had a thought, Darren, just now, um, literally a minute ago, because I thought, oh, you know, not having Gunson in the side is going to be really bad because one thing Kaczynski's good at, he's good on the lead. Um, and I have all these recollections, particularly games in Tassie, of him just getting out in the lead and taking these quick leads and getting the ball in front of him. But then I thought, Gunson didn't play in 21 when uh, Kaczynski played his best footy. So maybe Cozzy will be all right, you know, without a, a goal like Gunson. And I was thought I had was that Gunson, you know, he'd organise a forward line and... and, and and create space for a player like this he'd lead into. But he's actually played his best footy about Gunson in the side. Um, do you hold uh, fears for Kaczynski, or do you still think that, he, that he's got the makings of a sort of 100-150 game player for Hawthorne? You're suggesting a, a Cozzy's paddock Cozzy's paddock type well, situation. Right. Just clear it out and let the, <laughs> the big man do his work. Get out of 50. Leave him all alone. What do you think? I think yeah, I, I really rate Cozzy, and I think he had a terrific first season. I think he was uh, our best first year player. Um, uh, in the in the PCM, I think he kicked nearly thirty goals from recollection. Um, you know, last year was a tr- it was a challenging year for him, and I think he had to play a lot of roles as weeks. He said he had to play in the ruck, so I'm really keen to see how he's going to go as sort of the main man up front. And I guess the benefit of you know, if there is any benefit in Mitch Lewis being out for an extended spell, it's that it gives people like Cozzy a chance. Um, and I and, and I and I do I do I will also say that I don't think you need to to be a top quality team in this competition. What having a, a, a gun key forward, I think you can if you're getting goals from the midfield and you're moving the ball quickly out of 
out of the back line. Um, you could, you know, Melbourne won a flag without having a dominant key forward. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Uh, Danny, Tyler Brockman, where, where, what, uh, what do we want to see from him this year? Is he coming from a long way back, having hardly played last year? Or do you think we saw enough in 2021 that, that if, he, if he's in good form come the middle of March, it is an automatic uh, selection for round one? I don't think he's an automatic selection for round one, no. I think he... Look, he's coming from a way back just because of the lack of footy and the lack of um, good health that he's, that he's had in the last sort of 18 months. But, um, you know, it, it, I think first and foremost, the first step on, on Brockman's journey to being a regular is it's good to see him in pre-season training. It's good to see him in Victoria. And, uh, yeah... Giving giving it a crack. So, do I think he's got the ability to play at AFL level? Absolutely. Um, he's got the talent. We've seen the talent. Can he apply it and make it work uh, consistently and continuously? That's the thing that needs to sort of be worked out. And, um, you know, last year, the, the shoulder injury at Box Hill was incredibly unfortunate and at such a bad time. Um, but w- the reality is we're, we're in a position now where we're playing young players and we're seeing who's going to, you know, make it and who's not. And, um, you know, answering the Cozzy question as well, it's it, Mitch Lewis going down now is a great time for Cozzy to turn up and take that mantle. And I think, you know, the opportunities that the forward line are going to give because we'll be searching for the right balance means players like Butler, players like Brockman, and, and guys of that ilk um, will be given opportunities. And it's about who's actually going to claim it, who's going to take it, and who's going to run with it. So, um, yeah, we'll, it's, a, it's a wait and see. But um, I'm optimistic but not confident that Brockman will, will really um, go bananas in, uh, in 2023. He's got to be going on, father of two. Yeah, how old is he? About 20, 21. He's the father of... Yeah. Twins already might be interested to have a good year. He might uh, want to play some good footy. Just get a to new get contract. A contract and uh, get a new contract so, <laughs> we can, uh, so we can afford to make a childcare. That might be, uh, it might be the best incentive of all for him. Um, we, see we had a brief exchange on our WhatsApp before this. Um, the player we dare not mention because even just thinking about it, he might twing a hamstring. Um, but so far, so good for Chad Wingard. Is he the player that everyone is forgetting about? that uh, could make a major difference to the Hawthorne forward half this year. Yeah, well, I think we used every single emoji possible in the group that represented keeping your mouth shut. But uh, after the, you know, our Mitch Lewis discussion, perhaps we're about to put the moz on him. It's February. And unless there's something we haven't heard of, Chad hasn't had a pre-season injury. So he only played the 10 matches last season. Uh, and it was through last season that we kind of said, okay, well, let's totally lower expectations. And if we managed to get the Chad we, we've all known and loved, that would be amazing. And um, I just feel like um, it would be really good not having the expectation of him playing through the midfield. We've had that for the last three or four years to go, well, you know, he can be such a good dynamic player in the middle and we're so devoid of that X factor. Now you can clearly see us not needing him in the middle with the group that we've got. So again, a chance for him to play. If he plays 20 games up forward without getting injury, 
you'd expect him to be scoring 30 or 40 goals. And then whilst he's not exactly the same player as Jack Gunston, he's, um, he's replicating that goal haul, which will be significant for us to win X number of games. So, um, it's, it's an interesting watch and absolutely he could be that forgotten guy that halfway through the season, towards the end of the season, you go, well, actually, we got really good value out of him this year. Well, here's the thing with uh, Chad Wingard. You say that he's injury-free, but it's it's this time of year has never been the problem for Chad. It's always the injury that he gets around now that makes him touch and go and usually miss the first couple of weeks of the season. And last year, you know, I reckon the 2020 was the only season he... Is that the only uninterrupted, fully uninterrupted preseason he's had at Hawthorne? 2019, he didn't debut till round three, I think, against North Melbourne. 2021, he certainly missed the first game or two. And then last season, he missed the first. Uh, it's always around the same time. Yeah, and last year was a terrible year for him. He just couldn't get that hatching. Like, really, he's been. I mean, they put him out to cotton wool after the bye. So he missed the last 10 games of last season. Um, I think he's pretty much been training since, you know, October. And looks, I mean, you can't really tell from these videos, but he looks fit and interested and committed. But so you piece piece that together with the fact that we've got Burge back at the club. And again, given the history, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. But just that notion, if, if he can just get it together, like this is the year, where clearly our forward line is the biggest ongoing issue, this could be the year where if you can just piece it together for a full season, you know, potentially over the next couple of years, we might say, well, in the long run, that trade was not as bad as we were thinking two, three, four years ago. Um, yeah. I think we might need to delete this episode. You've totally mozzing. You've gone way past reverse moz territory, and I'm, I'm worried. I'm really yeah, worried. Because this is not time here. So that's, here's my question for you, Brad and Danny, uh, in your, uh, with your, your football knowledge. Do you play Wingard in practice matches for fear of injury? Does he need the games? Does he need the match time? over the next sort of two, three weeks? Or do you just train him hard and then unleash him in round one against the Bombers in front of a big crowd? Then what do you do? Give him this is, it's just, this is the time of year when he tends to break down. What do you do? Due to his history, it's a very good question. I think a full training uh, load's fine for this time of year. I know, you know, there's only the one official pre-season game. We know what Chad can do. We know he's going to play if he's 100% fit. He's one of our more senior players now. And he's a proven player. So in my opinion, which is history, Ash, as you've mentioned, this is traditionally the time of year where he does get hurt. I would just, you know, train him really hard. I wouldn't play him in preseason. You might give him a quarter or two. But in my opinion, he doesn't play a full game. And I agree with what you said earlier. Chad needs to play as a forward and a forward and only. When he goes in the midfield, yes, he is a gun. But I believe Sam has now drafted and recruited the players in the last couple of years who he believes is going to, you know, become the nucleus of our midfield for the next three years. And I don't believe Chad is one of the players to be in there. So I think if he, as uh, you said, uh, Weesey, Chad plays, say, 18-plus games 
he's going to kick 35-plus goals. So keep him in the forward line. And Ash, for your question, no, I would not play him fully in the preseason games. What do you think, Daddy? Uh, so I think the exact opposite. Um, if his body can't get through a couple of preseason games, it doesn't matter how many. It doesn't matter how much training you do. It's going to break down again. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, with the, the the list and the team the way that it is, and where we are in the, I guess the developmental journey on that on that road to a premiership. Chad having a good year or not having a good year is kind of irrelevant in the bigger picture. So play him. If he breaks down, we know, okay, we can't count on him for this year and, and a kid gets an opportunity. If he doesn't and he builds a great fitness space like we hope he does, then happy days. We get a, a Chad that's fit and firing and hopefully kicks 30, 35 goals. But I, I wouldn't be – I mean, we're not in a premiership window, let's be honest. Like, we, we can't be wrapping guys in cotton wool during preseason now. We're, we're at – we're at one o'clock on the premiership window. Uh, we're not at eleven. So if we were if we were Geelong, absolutely, I'd be wrapping him in cotton wool and playing him, you know, round one or round two. That's not who we are. That's not where we are. Um, play him in preseason. If he makes it through, fantastic. If he doesn't, well, you know where you're at. Yeah. Here's a question. Quick question for you guys. Say he plays in the preseason. He does a hammy. He's going to be twenty nine at the end of this season. Does he get? Does he play? Is he on Hawthorne's list in twenty twenty four and uh, beyond? I don't think. I think this is like if if he if he doesn't uh, if he can't play fifteen games this year and of reasonable quality, um, he won't be on Hawthorne's list next year. I think it's like out of contract after this year. I think it's like a five year deal. So I I can't imagine he'll be at the footy club next year unless he is uh, unless he really fires this year. I'm in the school where he has to play. I think he can't go to the season. He can't be a question mark going to the season, Wingard. I don't know if I'd be playing for four quarters of the preseason game. Not that many players do play four, uh, sort of full four quarters in these games, but I'd give him a half against Geelong. I'd give him half to three quarters against uh, Collingwood. The forward line needs work. They've got to get the chemistry right. They've got to work out how this forward line's going to come together against other opposition. So for that reason as well, even more so with Lewis not playing now, I think, you have to play Wingate. You, have to, you actually have to see what he offers. But he doesn't need to be... Uh, in, I mean, look, as a burst midfielder, he's probably just as good as Hawthorne's got going through the centre. But they've got so many options now that they don't need to, uh, they don't need to play him th- uh, through the midfield anymore. It, those days of, those days of you know, putting Wingate in the midfield to give him a spark, as you say, Danny, they're not, they don't really... The results in a lot, will be relevant in most games for them this year. So looking for spark... He's not going to mean much. Um, so, yeah, leave him out of the midfield, playing the forward line, and uh, hopefully he will wield some magic. Patrick, I see you trying to get on. Can you hear us? No, he's... Not sure out. it's connected yet. Yeah, we'll get to him shortly. We're going to go off-field for a bit, and then we're going to go back to on-field again. The big news out of the football club, you wrote a piece about it. Uh, you wrote a piece about it next... Uh, on the Hawks inside hey, so, of Hey, guys, you can hear you now. Uh, Weezy. Hi, Patrick. What's your question? I was just going to say, does the, having the sub-rule mean they're probably less likely to be worried about him breaking down in round one if he doesn't play preseason? Uh, potentially. Well, the sub-rule's um, tactical as much as it is injury now. So, uh, possibly. But they, uh, as I said, they've just got to get games into him now. They've just got to... They've got to get games in the preseason. He's got to show some durability. Um, so that's really important. 
I think. But Sabra will be interesting to see how teams use it this year. Certainly, I think, in the case of Hawthorne, we'll talk about that just a bit more closely to, uh, to close to the start of the season. I think the sub rule will allow, or the five on the bench effectively as it is, will allow teams to play two rucks. But Hawthorne needs to be very good at playing uh, two rucks. You know, the Sedler and Hale, or Bailey and Hale. Hale was, uh, Hale had his own green vest he used to take with him to the football, or red vest he used to take with him to the football, whatever it was, because he'd take it off. He'd put it on in the last quarter and they'd, they'd bring on a smaller player for legs. It was often, Hale often hartung on. Uh, Wait, you remember that? That was often the tactic. Happened on plenty of occasions and probably <laughs> added to the frustration of, um, of Billy Hartung, the footballer, didn't it? That's right. Liam, good evening. you got a question for us. Uh, yes, gentlemen. First of all, thank you very much. You're doing a terrific job. Um, secondly, why I don't understand the argument for not playing Chad Wingard, to be honest. How many times do we hear players say you cannot simulate game conditions other than playing games. Like, if he's going to break down, he's going to break down in a game. You're best off not burning your sub in an actual game. Get him in a pre-season. Get him some match conditioning and so and try and get have him get through regular season games, surely. Yeah, I think that's right. I think part of the reason the Hawks are punching on each other with irregularity now, I believe there might have been an episode involving CJ at a training session going back to last week uh, uh, with a bit of uh, punching on with teammates, is that uh, they're tired of... Uh, they're tired of playing against each other. It's time to test themselves against other teams. And, and Chad Wingard is one of a number of Hawthorne players they need to have a look at against uh, other clubs. So that's a very good point, Liam. Good to see that you're on my side and not on Brad's side. Uh, that's the most important place you want to be. Back to what I was saying before, um, Andrew, is Tasmania. The Hawks have committed... I mean, they already committed to Tasmania for uh, one year, but that's down, been expended, extended... To the end of 2025, you have portrayed this in the Hawks inside a Substack as a great outcome for the club. For those that haven't read the piece, uh, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, I mean, it was a pretty good announcement, wasn't it? And it just got me thinking there are so many actual angles to what the deal means for the club. Um, as you mentioned, we'd signed that one-year extension, this is a further two years to effectively give us um, three years. Um, and I guess from a financial security point of view, from a major sponsorship point of view, from a membership point of view, um, give us some security, which is pretty important given um, the instability off the field in terms of the election over the past few months. Um, obviously, we've pulled out of um, owning pokies and, and that significant amount of income that we were receiving from that. Um, and obviously, as well, with uh, the financial side of things when it comes to the Kennedy Community Centre, um, that the significance of the millions of dollars that this means for this football club um, is, is there in plain sight. What it is worth noting and recognising, and it was really interesting reading um, all the social feeds, not just for the article, but from Hawthorne's release from members talking about um, of the obvious issues that they have, which again is covered, you know, in the article around a number of home games at the MCG, um, value for membership. 
um, crappy replacement games, not being able to necessarily... Um, I think we're the only Victorian club not playing uh, an actual Melbourne-based pre-season game this year, obviously with one being in Launceston. So um, certainly understand um, certainly understand some of those concerns. Um, but again, uh, I think the club's done it obviously with a view to what is happening down the path. I think that the we, we had a good look as well at the record, which is much heralded in terms of us having such a great success rate. And interestingly enough, we've won four of our last six games there. So despite the last sort of few years, us not playing great footy, it still manages to be um, a, a significant home away from home. Um, and... And that's significant enough for now that um, it's probably good. Ash, we talked about the confidence it might give our players um, winning more games of footy and the four games that we've got scheduled in Tassie this year are all very winnable. Um, And also, I guess generally, you want to be playing your home games at the MCG where we're going to be winning finals and winning our next flag. Um, at the moment over the next sort of two or three years while the team is building and we're going to be at the lower end of the matter of the ladder um, it, it's not so important that we're missing out on those key home matches at the G um, but obviously in a few years time uh, once we no longer have the opportunity to be playing home games down there we'll get them so in terms of the structure of the deal, in terms of everything that it means for the football club, it makes perfect commercial sense. And, yeah, definitely see it as a good thing. Yeah, certainly uh, to have the deal, something like $13 million over three years, something like that, uh, that money in the bank is uh, a good outcome, I think, for the footy club um, at, at this at this juncture. Um, the memberships... The membership's interesting too, Ash. It's around 8 to 10K we've sort of hovered at over the the last decade and that as a minimum represents about a million dollars worth of income. Um, Interestingly enough, I've probably been to about half a dozen games in Tassie and I like speaking to people when I'm there to find out, you know, what makes them come to the footy as locals and who they actually barrack for. And there are so many people who either only support Hawthorne because they have the presence there or only have membership so that they can watch AFL games of footy. That number is significantly going to dip off when Tassie has their own team slash we're not playing games of footy down there. So um, that's still a really, really important part of it as well. Uh Andrew Gowers, the new president of the footy club, did say on the radio on SEM the other day, and I think it's been said before, but he's uh, he would like Hawthorne to explore playing two games in Tasmania once the Tasmanian team comes in, perhaps play uh, both games down there in Launceston, one as the home team and one as the away team, and create that sort of rivalry straight away and, and keep some sort of presence 
enough of a presence down there with two games that uh, you know sub percentage of the uh, of the Tasmanian membership, which as I said, as you said, floats between eight and ten thousand a year, um, will remain as um, financial supporters of the footy club. Uh, Darren, what are your thoughts on uh, on Tassie continuing? Yeah, look, I, I love Tassie. Any excuse to get down uh, to Tassie, I'm, I'm all for it. Went to had a great family trip to Launceston uh, just before COVID, and definitely keen to, to to maybe get back this year again. I think Tassie Hawks fans are, uh, you know, as rusted on as any of us, and I, I don't think just because they're going to start a team in Tassie that those fans are going to switch over. I think there's a lot of strong ties to the club. Uh, through players and through um, and through exposure through through these games that, that you know th- those supporters want to want to see the Hawks and I think it'd be terrific if we can continue continue that relationship even if they have a Tassie team. It will be interesting because anecdotally a lot of when West Coast and um, Adelaide in particular joined the AFL, a lot of people change their allegiance from a VFL or VFL team to those teams, but they didn't get a chance to see them play. I mean, they might have, they may have seen them play once or twice. You know, they might have come over once or twice to Melbourne to watch that team play. So they, they very, so it wasn't so difficult to change your allegiance to the new hometown team with Tassie, Daz. I mean, this is, you make a good point. These Tasmanian Hawthorne fans have had four or five games a year in which to watch the Hawthorne play. So it's really it's for a lot of, and for twenty years now in some cases. So Hawthorne's really part of their DNA now, and it may maybe they'll find it harder to transfer their allegiance to the Tasmanian team because they've been so because they've become so accustomed watching Hawthorne. I think absolutely, and I think if you you know a lot of their relationships to the club stretches back to Hutto days. So I think um, Rock and big... General Payton and Darren yeah. Pritchard and Mitch Thorpe. Of course, Grant Birchall, yes. et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. And I think um, the AFL is actually going to struggle a bit um, to, to recruit those Hawthorne and also North Melbourne supporters uh, based in Tassie over to, to the Tassie team. I think it's a very different proposition than starting a club in, in you know, fertile territory like GWS, uh, like uh, Greater Western Sydney or, um, or the Gold Coast where there's not, you know, there's not, there's not any allegiance to to any particular team, so I think they've definitely got their work cut out in Tassie for they're thinking of moving those Hawthorne supporters over because I was I've been there in Launceston and I, it doesn't seem like they're uh, you know they're pretenders they're, they're they're fully they're fully committed. I'm not sure North has got the same emotional attachment in Tasmania as do Hawthorne. Patrick, another question. I find it, I was going to say, I find it interesting they haven't, like, cut down from four games. Also, I may as well, for uh, another season, mention this. Do we read much into the fact they haven't opened up to play a game at the Community Centre in 2025 and have sold it to Tassie? Well, like... Community Centre, get one home game? Community Centre won't be suitable for AFL football. You know, it'll be suitable for AFLW and, and a pre-season game, but it won't be, it'll have a capacity of seven or 5,000 people, so... There'll be no, uh, there'll be no games at the community centre, or no AFL games at the community centre. It won't have the uh, facilities or the infrastructure or the parking or the access or anything like that. But uh, so it'll be the, the the question will be what the will be post Tasmania, and we'll probably 
It'll probably go for a couple of years after that. If Tassie doesn't come until 2028, then the chances are the Tassie deal for Hawthorne will continue through until 2027. Um, is the uh, is what the split will be afterwards, and it won't be for extra MCG games. It'll probably be a two-two or three-one split with uh, Marvel State, unless Hawthorne find another ground to play it. As I said, they may sell a game to Tasmania to close a home game. I'm on record as saying Hawthorne should sell a game to Optus Stadium and uh, allow 40,000, 50,000 AFL-starved footy fans to go watch a Hawthorne game over Perth against uh, North Melbourne. That's, uh, I've been, I advocate that and continue to do so. We're now going to move on to our final, um, our final talking point for the evening for the last 20 minutes or so. And I want to go around to the group uh, and the other thing Hawthorne are doing in more apart from punching on each other is working out the leadership group and we can expect an announcement on that probably as early as uh, later this week but more likely sometime next week. It is almost a given that um, James Sicily will be captain of the football club uh, if anyone wants to prosecute an argument as to why it shouldn't be him and should be someone else. You've got 19 minutes to do so but I want to go around to each of you and give me what you think the ideal leadership group should be for for next year. I do note that uh, in his first year away from the clutches of Jeff Kennett, that uh, North Melbourne, Alta Clarkson has appointed co-captains at North Melbourne. So uh, that's, it, I thought that's interesting development because uh, I thought Clarko was, was lockstep. He only wanted to have one captain at the time at Hawthorne, but straight away at North Melbourne, he's gone for the dual captains. I don't think Hawthorne will go down that path. I wouldn't tie rule it out, but I, I'd be surprised, I think. Um, I don't think uh, Andy Gowers, being a bit of old school Hawthorne person, would sign off on dual captains either, but you never know. So I'm going to go around to the group, starting with you, um, Brad. What should the Hawthorne, who would like to see the leadership group at Hawthorne next season? That's captain uh, or captains, vice captain or vice captains, and other members of the leadership group. I think, as you mentioned, Sicily's going to be the captain. That's a lock. I think the vice captains and who I would go with would be uh, Dylan Moore, uh, Lewis. Mitch uh, Lewis, he's spoken a bit in the media uh, recently, speaks brilliantly. His injury is obviously going to hurt. Hopefully he only misses the first two to four weeks, as you said, Ash. Uh, I think Blake Hardwick is another one I'd like to see in the leadership group. Blake leads by the way he plays. He's not always the most vocal player, but... Uh, the way he plays, most consistent player, uh, I think he deserves to be in uh, the leadership group. And then we probably need one more, uh, someone who's experienced. That's the tough one. Uh, I think uh, MPs are smoky. Jarman at MP, I believe, is apparently having an amazing preseason. He was injured last year. I know Sam really rates him highly. I think we do need an experienced um, player with, you know, Sicily's going to be 28 next season. He's quite experienced and old. But if Moore, Lewis and Hardwick are all, you know, under 26 are there, I think we do need at least one experienced player. I think Jarman Impey's a smoky if they go with four in the, you know, vice-captains. Danny, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I echo everything other than Jarman Impey. Um, I would have Sicily as captain. I'd have... Gilmore and uh, Blake Hardwick as vice-captains. I'd have Mitch Lewis and Will Day rounding out the leadership group. Um, and then in your emerging leaders, you'd want to see guys like uh, Connor McDonald, Josh Ward, uh, and those sort of those sort of fellas. 
Uh, so, Morris, are you with us? Mara, hello, are you with us? Uh, yes, no? Uh, Ash. Hello, welcome. How's football? I uh, it was very good, thank you. Um, I didn't realise I was signed up as a speaker here, but while I'm with you, I thought, yeah, I thought Prinzi's um, leadership group is pretty good. I wonder if, if we're looking for experience, if um, Luke Bruce might be the sort of person that we just throw in there just as, for a bit of guidance to the players as an elder statesman, um, just to give a bit of, yeah, because leaders need leadership as well. Um, so he's not necessarily club captain material, um, but he's the sort of person who's been there and done that for a lot of things and, and could give them some really, um, really good advice. Excellent point, Red League Bruce Mora, and you can get back to your safe driving home from futsal. Darren, what do you think? Well, what I think is going to happen is James Sisley will be captain. Who do I think should be captain? Dylan Moore. Um, yeah. Rounding out the leadership group. <laughs> why, no, uh, why do you think he should be captain? Just to put it out there, it gives a reason. I just don't... I, I think temper, temperament. It's just, just a classic issue with Sicily and it reared its head again today. Um, I, just, I just don't think you, re, you, you react like that as a captain of a footy club. Um, and it's just just part of a long story with Sis, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Is that enough of a reason? Yeah, that's a, yeah. No, but plus, I think, I, I think Dilmore is just the future of the club. Um, I think he's... The way he conducts himself off field, the way he puts himself in the community, um, just his his leadership and the way he tackles training. I just think he's uh, a very very suitable captain, and I think he's a long term captain. Um, but you know, his day will probably come in a couple of years. Um, and then I'd love to see CJ in the leadership group. I think he's so well spoken. Uh, the way he was he was talking today and. Um, he's he's definitely got a, an influence on the club. Um, controls the music selection, so that's super important based on previous captains. Um, and uh, Jack Scrimshaw, I think, is another pretty vocal player. Uh, uh, loves the club, and I think players look up to him as well. And Will Dad as well, rounding out the group. It's a very big leadership group. That was well. Four? You should have asked him who won't be in the leadership group. <laughs> <laughs> Weezy, what do you think? Uh, look, I think everyone's covered now, aren't they? Um, no, so I disagree on the Will Day side of things. I think he should just be allowed to purely concentrate on footy this year. Um, I loved... Mora's contribution of Brewsty, and then, I mean, we've covered all of the main players that are going to be part of the group. The only other Smokey I would throw up, who is not necessarily guaranteed a game every week, but is clearly someone that gets talked about off-field and the way he trains and a whole host of the stuff that he does as a leader would be Sam Frost. So um, I could see him as a Smokey getting added to that leadership group as well. Yeah, I think a couple of names to consider. I think Luke Bruce might be part of the leadership group, not as captain, but I think as the oldest player at the club, the only 30-year-old and the only premiership player remaining, I think that uh, it might... And he's never really been part of the leadership groups at Hawthorne, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he's asked to be part of the group in that elder statesman sort of role. You know, he'll leave the actual captaincy to 
others, the titles to others, but uh, to have them in the leadership group. Another player I think would be coming into consideration because from all reports he's made such a big impression is Carl Amon and whether he steps straight into the leadership group at the football club from coming in. Again, made an enormous impression from day one. Give you one of the most important players. I thought the same thing, Ash, and he just clearly has come in and, and made a huge impact. And Has it ever happened before that a player just goes from another club straight into the leadership group? I can't really recall that happening at Hawthorne, at least. It might have happened at a couple. It probably happened somewhere. I need to go through the season guides and look at um, and look at various club captains, but I'm sure players have come. Uh, well, Gary Allen went straight to Gold Coast as captain. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, good point, actually. <laughs> And uh, whoever it was, Phil Davis, whoever it was at the Giants, I think uh, Amon has has become a really important part of the fabric of the club pretty quickly. Sam Frost, I think, will be in it. I think he's hugely rated for what he does. Um, I think it'll be Sicily. I think it'll be. uh, I think Dylan Moore will be a vice captain. I'd like to see Will Day and CJ just be told uh, to remain part of emerging leaders and uh, just twelve months to. Give us a full season of footy, boys, before we get to the leadership group, I think, for those two. It's really important. I think Mitch Lewis as well, um, probably in the leadership group. But uh, we didn't really talk about it before, but there's, there has to be some question marks over Lewis's durability. I'm not sure whether he also goes into the uh, just get yourself right uh, to play footy without being worrying too much about being the leadership, a formal leader in the footy club. So they've got a bit to consider. We will find out some more uh, before too long. Uh, a couple of other people want to have a chat. Daniel, good evening. Good evening, boys. How are we going? On? Very well. Um, I hadn't considered Dylan Moore until, what, 90 seconds ago, and I actually really like it, and I'd keep it at three. I'd have Dylan Moore, Sicily, and Bruce as your three main leaders, and then have your emerging group off to the side, and then you include guys like Frost and Amon and Ash. You forgot a very big one on coming straight in the club as captain. Uh, one, C. Judd. Uh, yes, that's true. Well, as I said, I need to refresh my memory in the uh, in the season guy. Yes, he did come in. The famous story on day one, he went out for lunch with the players and uh, they, the players ordered their uh, their uh, burgers and whatever and they all started eating their, their chips. And Judd just looked at the players eating the fries and said, Are you sure you need to be eating that? And with that, they all pushed their French fries to the side and never ate another French fry in his presence again. So that's the famous leadership story from Chris Judd at Carlton. But, uh, yeah, they, um, Dylan Moore, he made Darren very happy uh, with that uh, with that suggestion. Dylan Moore, I mean, it's a, such a fantastic story. He, he doesn't play well in that last game of uh, 2020 in the hub against uh, Gold Coast. He is. I don't know what he's doing now. He'd be captain coach of uh, Berwick or something like that. He'd be. Uh, he'd be running around playing suburban footy. It's quite incredible. But in terms of Dylan really. Moore, he would be as certain to be the vice captain as Sicily would be to be captain. Me. Well, it's one of two vice captains. He will be a vice captain. In the no doubt. Sure. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, well, he's an elite footballer according to champion data. So. Um, he ticks all the boxes. Daniel, thanks that. Lean, did you want to say something else? Uh, yeah, I was. first of all, I was going to make the exact point Daniel did about Chris Judd going straight into a club as captain because I don't think you can count players going to an expansion club as captain. I think that's a bit unfair. 
I was, I was only being half serious, but that Gary, I'm yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, so was I. Uh, leadership group, I'd, I'd probably go with something like a one, two, three, one captain, two vice, three others, and it'd be Sicily, Hardwick, and Moore, and then probably Lewis, Bruce, and Amon. Have it because I've gone out to training in the last couple of weeks a bit, and I've put a couple of articles up on Talking Hawks for them about those sessions. People are interested. Um, Carl Amon has stood out on the field and with his, and setting the standards as well. He's made from me standing on the sidelines even, he's made a massive impression in terms of setting the tone, setting the standards. And I think he would be a really, really shrewd appointment straight into a leadership group, in my opinion. Yeah, well, there's a bit of Preston Hawthorne in Port Adelaide as well. 2008, Stuart Dew did... Um, when He joined the club and halfway through the season when it looked like it could be a pretty special season. They very quickly moved him into the leadership group um, for the second half of 2008, because he was one. He's the only player I think with the premiership experience, and they realised he had a lot to offer. So he was ushered in to the leadership group pretty quickly. Sam Mitchell, of course, was part of that leadership group, um, and at, at that time, so I think he and he'll have a pretty strong say in, in what the leadership group ultimately looks like. Um, so yeah, I think Avon's a big chance to be part of that group as well. We've had a couple of suggestions. Uh, from people as well through the Twitter. Um, we have, um, as I scroll down, Branson Alp says, Captain Sicily, Vice-Captain Lewis and Hardwick, Deputy Bruce, Dylan Moore and Newcomb. Uh, Doc Mansell says, Sicily, Captain, Vice-Captain Moore, Leadership Group of Four, Lewis, Scrimshaw, Amon and Bruce. Um, some also feedback we've got um, from uh, Doc about... Uh, so Sicily's captaincy credentials were tested today. Thought there wasn't much in it, to be honest, but looked like a pretty ferocious tackle by Butler. Maybe went a bit too hard. Hopefully, Sam's just showing he wants that starting position in round one. Well, uh, we'll talk more about round one team going forward, but it's going to be a bit of a hunger games at Hawthorne. There's about 12 spots certain and about 10 spots up for grabs and to the victors go the spoils, and that might be part of it. you just got to absolutely show that you are desperate to play round one. Um, and Liam also went before about, uh, added a line about the Mitch Lewis prognosis. A sprain is by definition ligament damage. A grade one sprain is stretching and straining. Grade two is a partial tear. Grade three is total rupture. All we know is that it isn't grade three. That's right. Um, one thing Andy Gowers did say on the SEN interview the other day was that he doesn't think it is a... Uh, it is a tear. So it's really, it's going to be how, you know, it's going to be how long before he gets back. He will play some football this year. He most likely will play the second half of the season. But I think being ultra concerned with an ACL, it still might be a three month injury, which will keep him out for the first four to, four to six, possibly eight weeks of the season. And if it is a tear, Ash, if it is a tear, hopefully it's only a Novak Djokovic sort of tear. <laughs> just a three centimetre just a, th- three or a three centimetre should be that, fine to get through the season can... yeah well yeah, that's if, right. if we were the tennis insiders we'd be here now on how how Djokovic could uh, win the Australian Open with a three centimetre hamstring tear but uh, it's all a matter of interpretation it might have been a bit further up and not really a hamstring but who knows you know, it's a mighty effort by him to win um, but uh, if you want to divide your listenership in half, you start talking in depth about Novak Djokovic. 
Um, I think that is the point that is the space which right. We've brought, wrapped it up a few minutes early, but it's a long. We've got a long year ahead of us, and we're going to have plenty of times we're going to get going to go over the hour. So we are going to wrap it up here for now. Thank you, everybody, for joining us again. Good numbers for the first night back. And thank you, everyone, for your uh, for your comments and your, and uh, for jumping on, and having saying a few words as well. This thing works better the more voices we have on. So we strongly encourage you to. Have a think about what you want to say and come on and, and take part in the conversation. Um, so, Hawks Insiders, through the spaces and the podcast, the Substack, $5 a month, $50 for the year for really great Hawthorne content. Uh, I don't want to tip the hand too much, but we've got a couple of really good guests from the footy club coming up on podcasts in the next few weeks that you're going to really enjoy hearing from um, as uh, we get ahead of the season. And hopefully a very exciting semi-regular guest of ours through the season as well that we're in uh, talking to someone about at the moment, which will be really great as well. Um, and lots of great content to come on the Substacks as well over the next few weeks. Um, next week we'll be able to re... re uh, next week we'll uh, hopefully have uh, some more news about the captaincy, a bit of news around the footy club as we build up to the practice game series, as I said, intra-club and then two games against other teams. Um, we see. do I have anything else I've forgotten? Just for everyone to lock in, you know, the next four or five Thursday nights into your calendars, especially the practice match nights where there will no doubt be uh, plenty to discuss and everyone want to be talking about what we've just seen on field. So, yeah, really looking forward. I hope people aren't too depressed by what they're saying. We might have to talk, talk a few people... Uh, Talk a few people around. There's always a bit of doom and gloom. And uh, remember the Collingwood game last year when they looked absolutely terrible. There was all sorts of doom and gloom after the first practice game. Yeah, but you know what? What it sounds like, based on some of the doom and gloom I've seen already, and I'm not going to start naming names, but if uh, it sounds like if we're if we've got doom and gloom in those two matches, it'll just take someone mentioning Harley Reid, and there'll be a whole group of people happy and singing and dancing and. Uh, yeah, it feels like we'll be able to make it work no matter what. Brad, before we go, what's your optimism level? For the season? Yeah. Uh, I'm quite... Before Mitch Lewis got injured, I thought, we, I thought we'd probably win similar to last year. We won the eight games last year. We did beat Brisbane and Geelong. Only lost to Melbourne by 10 points. I think we'll have a a worse year in the win-loss column than we did in 2022, just with what went out the club and what came in. We do have some quality that came in, but what went out is experience, uh, leadership and quality in the likes of uh, Gunston, uh, McAvoy to a lesser extent. Amir and Michelle were both best 22 players. Um, I don't think win-loss this season is going to make a difference. I think, unfortunately, we are going to finish bottom two. I think if we win, I think we'll win five or six games. So I think most Hawthorne supporters probably expect us to match last year. I don't think many would think we're going to win more than eight games. But I think, as we've mentioned numerous times, 2023 is just going to be about the development, finding the mix of players who are going to be there when we are playing finals, in my opinion, the earliest 2025. I know something 2024 may be a realistic goal, but um, I think the earliest we'll be playing finals is 2025, and the earliest we'll be challenging for a flag will be 2027. 
the thought to leave you all with is uh, look up the records. But how many games Hawthorne? Hawthorne's win-loss record last year when they played two recognised ruckmen. That will give you some cause for optimism as to how they might go this season. That's been The Spaces. It's been great to be back with you all uh, for the first one of 2023. Um, keep visiting the Hawks inside a Substack for more great content. And we look forward to chatting you again. 8.30 or so Eastern Daylight Savings Time next Thursday. Thanks and have a great week and weekend. Goodbye.